want to welcome you to the Arrow Heights podcast, broadcasting live from Arrow Heights Baptist Church in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. My name is Ryan Smith. My name is Nathan Copeland. And I'm Josh White. And wait, I have a question. What? Why do you say we're broadcasting live from Arrow Heights Baptist Church? We technically are. We are live right now. Yeah. So in other words, we're not on Zoom or something? For no one else other than the Lord and Pepe the Puppet. Okay. Yeah. All right. So it's good enough for me. Just yeah. curious. Yeah. Like There's, this isn't going out on YouTube live or anything. Is no. It? no. No. I don't know that we'll ever be that. It'd be a horrible mistake. <laughs> I don't have a face for for uh, YouTube. I have a face for radio. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we are we are alive. We are <laughs> doing this right now. Alive. And broadcast is a relative term. It's, uh. So, Let's go with it. Yeah, that's right. Application. Uploading is broadcasting as well. So, yeah. hey, it's the Christmas season, y'all. And we can say it that. Is. You know why? I was going to say it's now December. It's because it's Thanksgiving. after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So you, you have all your Christmas music, decorate all you want. Uh, Thanksgiving's over and we're headed towards Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Thanksgiving's over. It's over. Ah, all that, all that that's, junk. Gratitude. My, it is my favorite holiday. And it's not me. Like if anybody knows me, Thanksgiving's my favorite holiday because it's chill. It's like Christmas without all of the commercialized mm-hmm. fluff. Mm-hmm. Personal opinion. Yeah. Is it do you guys have a go-to Christmas album? Mm. It's called X Christmas. It's like heavy metal Christian. Bands like alternative Christian bands like really? Reliant K, Thousand Foot Crutch, old school. Like it's old, it's really old, but it's pretty awesome. Wow. Yeah. Reliant K does have the definitive version of the twelve days. Twelve of days of Christmas, man. That's the that's the jam. You, you haven't to heard it. it. Press pause right now on the on this podcast. Go listen to it and then come back. Well, and if you smile. if you have not heard August Burns Red playing either O Come O Come Emmanuel or Carol of the Bells, like you're missing out. Even if you don't like heavy metal music, like this is these. There's no lyrics. They're just just rocking, and it's awesome. Wow. Did you ever see Mannheim Steamroller? No, I haven't seen them. I've heard the music. But yeah. No. Their Carol of the Bells is is awesome. Yeah. Just listen to that. Don't go see it. That's right. Is that the Yeah. We probably have to pay someone five cents for just doing that. But yeah, their show is really, really long. It's impressive. It's really, really long. But the Carol of the Bells is like the thing. Yeah. Press so pause we, again. But since Go listen to that. But That's since right. we're not broadcasting live, we can delete that out. Why would we? It's good. It's good banter. So we don't owe people money. But anyway, it's well, a good investment oh, that's of five true. cents. That's right. Yeah. I'll pay it. We're we're small peanuts, man. Okay. They're not gonna they're not gonna get they're not gonna jump in on any of this stuff. Okay. Small uh, potatoes, peanuts, or potatoes. Do we? Yeah. Have? Peanut M and M's. Yeah. Um, yeah, you asked the favorite Christmas album. Yes. I don't have a favorite Christmas album, but if I did, it would be the very first CD my family was ever given in about 1992 or something. And it was this album. I don't remember what it was called. I do remember two songs from it. One was Harry Connick Jr. singing the um, Sugar hey, sugar hey. Jingle bells. No, I don't remember the name of the song, but like it was just the coolest groove, and I was like, "Wow, that's amazing!" I was like twelve years old or something. And then there was this other one that I don't remember the, the name of the song or what it was. We had the best bass playing. It made me want to be a bass player so bad. It was like an upright bass, but it sounded almost like a fretless bass, like an electric. Is incredible. So if I find it. I'll let you know. Okay. So it was like a compilation. Very much a compilation, yeah. Okay. Harry Connick Jr. First CD my family was ever given. 1992, I'm guessing. Nice. Wonderful. Nice. Let me throw out a couple. Yeah. Uh, First, 
many moons ago, Jars of Clay put out a really great Christmas album. Uh, that's a great go-to. Also, Phil Wickham has put out two really good ones uh, to, to check out. I think the version of um, Joy to the World that we did Sunday is similar to the one on Phil Wickham's most recent, but it, uh, it was listed as Worship Initiative, which yeah. uh, I think they, they put out Phil. as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so those are those are great, wonderful uh, Christmas albums. So, so favorite Christmas song. You have a favorite Christmas song? Even maybe 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 get more specific. Favorite Christmas worship song. Hmm. It's hard to go wrong with "Hark the Herald Angels Sing." I mean, that song is just the the biblical content of it, and just where it goes musically. I think it's hard to go go wrong with "Hark the Herald Angels Sing." Yeah, it's classic. I would say I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Okay. That was one I I was introduced to much later in life. We didn't sing it growing up, but I just came across it in the Baptist hymnal, looking for Christmas songs. Just reading the words just floored me. Oh, that reminds me. Casting Crowns did that, a version of that song. Really? That was phenomenal. Oh, yes. It's, it's, it, I think that's the one. Oh, it's great. It's great because it, it gives you that sense of hopelessness that is kind of easy to feel this time of year and just kind of in society in general. So like it pulls you way down Mm -hmm. and then just builds Christ back up. Mm. You know, it's like, wow. Yeah. It makes you want to ring the bells on Christmas Mm. day. Yeah. Uh, I've got more recent one. Sovereign Grace did a version. You we've done on worship on Sunday mornings. Oh, come all you unfaithful. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Golly. That's one that gets me every time. Like it's just full of gospel hope. You know, and so I love it. That one, that one, we can sing every Sunday from here until Christmas, but not past. I don't know exactly the story to this, but I saw when I first heard that song, somebody sent me a video, and it was they had done the song, and they knew it was kind of a special song, you know, and they brought people in, and they said, "Here's the video. We're just going to play people's reaction to this song." Hmm. And dude, there's some very moving kind of moments there. You know, I don't yeah. know what any of these people's stories are, what they're going through, but when they hear that song and some of them just start weeping, some of them just kind of hang their head, you know, but then at the end they're kind of singing. It's just great. Hmm. Wow. That's awesome. Wow. Now, we, we did a, a version of O Holy Night mm-hmm. yesterday that was, what was O Holy Night, the gospel? Hear the gospel story. The gospel story. Where, where did that come from? That was, that same, I loved that. It was awesome. Loved that. Yeah. Same group. Sovereign Grace, uh, which is uh, mainly led by a guy named Bob Coughlin, mm-hmm. who I don't know if anybody remembers the, the group Glad mm-hmm. from way back in the day, almost like acapella singing people. But he was an arranger and writer for them. Very talented guy, but uh, he's been doing you know worship ministry for years now. But um, that's the reason we like that is because Oh Holy Night typically is sort of a almost like a like a solo. Like mm-hmm. a, uh, because it's the melody of it is very powerful and kind of has this dramatic sort of uh, f- flavor to it. That version of it is more kind of I don't know what you call it, almost down home almost. Mm-hmm. And you can sing it like as a congregation, and they change some of the lyrics mm-hmm. in in ways that really bring out more of the, the gospel story, you know, from Luke, you know. So it's it's a great one to do that's not so much a, a Christmas, like, special, someone singing, but we can all sing it together. Yeah, so. yeah. I've, I've never 
as, as far as I can remember, sung O Holy Night congregationally. And singing it forced me to think of the words in a different way. And mm-hmm. with those additions and uh, just the, the, the gospel centrality, it completely reoriented the song mm-hmm. for me. So I loved, loved that. Mm-hmm. Loved that. That's great. Well, hey, we would love to know. We're not ending the podcast, but if we would love to know your favorite Christmas carol, Christmas song, you can text that to the podcast, 918-280-9628. You can pause right now and do it. We would love to know on the fly what right now we we're thinking about it. So do that. Not live, but not well, on the I mean, fly. it's live while they're listening. In text right now. live. That's right. They broadcast can, live from they your can, own phone. That's exactly right. Text live and it will be responded to probably live, depending on where we're at. Right of course. Now. So, yeah. We really need some definitions here, don't we? No, no. <laughs> it is It is what it is. So, hey, we've got a couple of questions we're going to jump into today. Uh, first one is, uh, you guessed it, Christmassy. Okay. And it's a doozy. So okay. let's uh, let's talk. Maybe, maybe or not. So uh, first, first one says this. Some obscure pockets of Christianity reject celebrating the Christmas season. Maybe observing Jewish holidays instead or festivals instead. Uh, they, they cite that it isn't rooted in the Bible and it in fact has pagan origins of infant worship of a false god. How do we discern this idea that Christmas isn't biblical? Should Christians feel any guilt about celebrating the birth of the Messiah during the Advent season? And how do we respond in love to these anti-Christmas persons? Oops, <laughs> sorry, I meant brothers in Christ. They didn't actually say persons. They said hate mongers. But hey, you know, this is a person who obviously loves Christmas, and I was trying to be gentle. But uh, how do we respond to these people in love? Wow. Yeah. Well, I think... It's a little spicy towards the end. I think in love, yeah, let's, let's respond in love. I think that... The, the person asking the question, there's a lot to that question. You're right. That's a doozy. I'll just go, um, I'll save the paganism stuff for you. How about that? I'll go with the... <laughs> he pointed at Ryan, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not in the Bible. So as Baptists, we are free church people. We do not follow necessarily the, the church calendar. Um, we don't have uh, the Pope telling us what to do or even a presbytery or any anybody. We believe Jesus rules the church. He does so by his word and by his spirit. And so we Baptist people are just crazy enough to think, hey, if we open up the Bible and read it faithfully and preach it, even preach it verse by verse, uh, not that that's the only way to preach, but that's the most natural way to preach is to just kind of walk through passages, um, whole books of the Bible, in fact, um, if we do that, hey, that's the way we're supposed to uh, gather around God's Word together. Now, of course, a lot of other traditions follow the church calendar. And, uh, you know, Advent season is a really big deal. Obviously, Easter is kind of the, the, the highlight of the year in the church calendar. And Baptists typically uh, follow those two uh, uh, dates in the church calendar. We celebrate Christmas and we celebrate Easter. I think we do not have to do that. Uh, I think, however, it's a good idea to do that. Uh, why do we celebrate Christmas and, and do the Advent season you know, through December? Well, it's because uh, it makes sense at the end of the year when everybody in our culture still, you know, even though we don't live in a Christian culture per se, everybody is talking about Christmas. Every commercial on TV is about Christmas. You walk into all kinds of stores and Christmas uh, you know, hymns are playing. Even Hark the Herald Angels Sing with all of its rich uh, truth about who Christ is. You'll hear that song and, and many others. People are talking about it. Why don't we 
kind of capitalize on that in a way and lead our people through this Advent season. Do we have to, according to Scripture? No, we don't. But it's it's sort of a, a thing I think is wise as ministers to do, wise for churches to do. Um, but yeah, like the Puritans, for example, they didn't really celebrate Christmas because of this very reason. Uh, they said if if it's not in the Bible explicitly, we're, we're not going to do it. We're only going to do what is explicitly prescribed in the Bible. And celebrating Christmas is not explicitly prescribed. Certainly celebrating the birth of Christ, but we know from history that probably it did not take place in December at all. It took place probably in the spring, uh, most likely. So um, when people are trying to say, well, Christmas is is not something we're going to do, I I would first of all just want to know, oh, why is that? Is it because you think um, you know we're better than you, and we we follow the Bible, and you people don't. I say, well, okay, that's that's probably you know not a very Christian idea, a very loving idea. Uh, at the same time, if they have uh, convictions about pagan uh, sort of origins and whatnot, uh, Ryan can answer that. <laughs> <laughs> we are out of time. Is that what you said? Yep. Uh, thank you yeah. for calling Area uh, Heights <laughs> Podcast. Nine one eight. What? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I really appreciate that. Nathan, agree with everything that you you said. Now, the the celebration of Christmas on December 25th, as we have come to know and experience it, is a relatively new new phenomenon. And I say relatively new, as in about 1800s. But a lot of people will say, well, this is a pagan holiday because December 25th goes back to Roman uh, Roman Empire times and the celebration of the birth of uh, the god Mithra. And uh, Mithra was... uh, Supposedly, I believe came from a rock, and so this was like a, it was like their big their big holiday. But the celebration of Mithra uh, continued when Constantine became a Christian in uh, the three hundreds. He was still on board with with Mithra, uh, so still on board with the holiday. So as Christianity grew, the celebration in that hol- the ho- the holiday season also grew, but. Uh, people saw it as an opportunity to kind of take that which was pagan and re-renew, repurpose it, or reclaim it, so to speak. And so that was kind of already a holiday season because it is a transition in the winter solstice. It's the the marker of darkness turning to light, uh, you know, from the darkest of the dark, now looking towards spring and going to life. So there, there are a lot of a lot of things that go along with kind of the Christmas narrative of celebrating Christ. Now, I, I think it was one of the popes that said, "Yes, December twenty fifth, go." Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and as you said, we're not really beholden to what, well, not at all beholden to what the the pope said. So, uh, are we celebrating a pagan holiday by celebrating the birth of Christ? at on December 25th. Uh, no, I, th- I think absolutely there is um, biblical, I, w- I would say, I'd go beyond evidence and I would I would say almost uh, encouragement and mandate to celebrate great works of God 
physically. Amen. Uh, whether that's setting up stones in the, in the Old Testament or whether that's establishing a holiday. I think both of those things. So therefore, I think establishing a holiday is great. Now, could we do it in March? Which is probably, you know, as you said, yeah, but it's December 25th now. And that's a great time to focus and to celebrate. And regardless of its roots, that's not what we celebrate now. Um, and so our, our focus is tuned in to the coming of Christ. And it's a, a great way to, to celebrate. But it's also good to ask questions like, like this. You know, why do we do what we do? You'll never go wrong asking that question. Probably won't go wrong asking that question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Edit beep. Yeah. I um, also have heard similar discussions about Christmas trees. Mm. Like th- there's pagan origins there and whatnot. And I know for a long time, and I'm, I'm not up on this sort of thing, but the, the Christians have argued, well, there's actually sort of Christian imag- imagery here. Mm-hmm. And we can sort of take whatever is um, sort of uh, being talked about with the pagan imagery and say, no, actually, this is a symbol of new life, like almost like we preached yesterday, mm-hmm. the green, the evergreen tree that's even in the winter, right, is still uh, reminding us that there's there's hope and there's new life coming. Uh, and the, and the, uh, the sorry, the uh, poinsettias with the red and what that symbolizes in terms of the new life that comes through the blood of Christ, through his death, right? Those are symbols that now for us as Christians, we've sort of taken on board wherever they come from. And this this to me reminds me a little bit of C.S. Lewis. Really? No Sorry. way. <laughs> you? Uh, yeah. You know, when he got converted, uh, you know, there was a whole discussion that he had with J.R. Tolkien about myth. And for Lewis, he couldn't reconcile these two kind of halves of his mind. On the one hand, he loved uh, logic and was very much a philosophy guy and was after truth. But he also loved the fairy tales, and the fairy tales for him, they were just made-up stories. They were just – he said they're beautiful even though they're lies breathed through silver. And Tolkien said, what do you mean they're lies? Uh, You mean you don't believe that there's any truth kind of tucked into all these stories that have been told for so long? He said, Jesus is the true myth. And Lewis was like, whoa, whoa, what what do you mean? And basically what he was saying is, uh, there are all these stories of God's dying and rising, and they're all just little whispers of people longing for this ultimate uh, sacrifice, this ultimate savior, this ultimate king, this ultimate love, which is deep down in every single human heart. And Jesus tells us the true uh, story that all these other stories are just little uh, whispers of, you know, uh, from all these pagan places that didn't that didn't have the gospel, or maybe they they did, but they had lost it, or maybe they just uh, again just in their hearts long for something like this. But Jesus is the real deal, uh, and for Lewis, that kind of like all of a sudden opened up a whole new path for him, where these two things could kind of meet. There's this logos, right, that the logic of the universe and all of its uh, design and all of its uh, laws. And there's also just the story of love, that he longed to be true, and he saw that in Christ, the true Logos, that's what you have. You know, uh, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in him tonight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I mean, I think that even with the quote-unquote pagan uh, roots of the Christmas tree or whatever, 
listen, there is an insatiable hunger for God and for transcendence in every human heart. I don't necessarily think the, the Christians are doing a bad thing whenever they pick some of these up and say, let me tell you the true story, the better story, where these things can actually be uh, realized in your heart and in your life and in your eternity. What a way to harness something that people understand and, and use it as a pointer for the gospel, right? I mean, the Christians, Christianity in and of itself from day one, you know, fall Genesis 3, is a, a belief system, for lack of a better term, that is one of reclaiming or redemption. And so why wouldn't we take something that obviously points us to Christ uh, and show people how it points them to Christ? Uh, even if it is a pagan ritual, I was just did a quick Google search. I mean, I had this in my head, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. ringing of the bells uh, to keep away evil spirits, lighting of candles to keep away evil spirits. And these aren't necessarily attached just to Christmas, but they're mm. uh, overtly Christmas. I mean, you, you think of bells. I mean, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. Obviously not speaking of bells trying to chase away evil spirits. Um, but but why can't we as as Christ followers uh, point to ways that we can redeem that. And I, I get that uh, Halloween is probably a different different conversation, maybe a little bit. Uh, but but even then, like this this is, uh, I think we can reclaim some of this. You, you can say well, I was just to say, even the Halloween thing, there's, <laughs> there's a great uh, video poem by Glenn Scrivener, who just wrote a really good book on kind of apologetics, the air we breathe, uh, how basically the book is about uh, how so many of the things we enjoy in Western culture just come explicitly from the Christian worldview and from uh, the Bible itself. Uh, and so basically his argument there is you know, we shouldn't be quite so quick to to cut off our Christian heritage because so many of the freedoms we enjoy we're going to lose if, if we uh, don't realize where they come from. Uh, but even he talks about uh, Halloween in that way, saying – even that started off, and I don't, I don't, again, I've, I'm not a scholar on this in any way, but he says uh, in this poem, essentially, uh, Halloween started as a way of mocking death yeah. and mocking the evil spirits uh, to dress up little kids as, as ghosts and whatnot, was to say, we know you're defeated, mm. you know? And so we're going to celebrate on All Hallows' Eve uh, the fact that the, the light is shining and we don't have to fear you anymore we have no fear of of satan and death and demons because jesus is is the light so again even that i mean it's 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 amazing to think about how um as christians we have the true story so in re- in reclaiming some of these things it's not as though we're saying oh here's this thing over here uh let's just jump in that and, and kind of take things pick and choose what we want What we're saying is, no, that's God's ground right there that we're reclaiming, not just the world's ground or neutral ground. It's important to say that, that whenever people are speaking true things, whenever people are, uh, again, have these these God, um, this God-shaped hole, let's say, we're telling them what that really is, not like, oh, we're going to take this thing that's not from God and say, oh, now it is. No, it's from God. This, this longing for him uh, that's expressed in all these different ways. So in the way we're unwrapping something that has been hidden yet hoped for or longed for, yep. 
Yeah, sound I like effects. it. Yeah, sound effects. Like is, that, is that the fire? Nice. No, oh, well, that's the that unwrapping. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I, I think there's something interesting to note here, and that's that things demand to be celebrated, certain things, and we as human creatures demand to celebrate certain things. And as we've been reading this book, This Is Our Time, talking about the longings, mm -hmm. you know, it, the fact that Christmas does exist in the form that it does, e even, even if there was no religious element to it, you know, similar to, as you said, like Thanksgiving with, without, you know, there's, there's something in us that says, I, I need to give thanks, or that there's, there's something outside of me that demands to be honored. And I think at Christmas in particular, I think there's significance to the fact that it's the darkest time of the year. Mm. It's the coldest, most pensive, most inward, most covered time of the year, yet that is exactly how Christ chose to come, mm. as a tiny little baby in this faraway corner of the world. Uh, and, and so it's there are metaphors and echoes of the way Christ came. And so I, I think because, because an echo is simply an echo and not the substance doesn't mean we need to do away with the echo. Mm -hmm. It means we need to point back to the substance. Well right. said. The gospel is the sound that echoes in all of, all of these things. Amen. And, so, and even with like the candy cane, I remember be learning that, you know, it was a shepherd's crook, but it's also, it's a J turned upside down with the red and with the white and, you know, it celebrates Christ. So if, if anyone is concerned that December 25th or this time of year doesn't honor or celebrate Christ or the gospel message, there is a lot of low-hanging fruit yeah. that you can immediately uh, tie directly to the gospel. Mm. And, uh, and I, don't, I don't think that's a mistake. So, so one more, go ahead. Oh, no, you're good because I'm going to kind of move on to the next Okay, I'll say one more reason to celebrate Christmas and Easter um, I think that it's really helpful that we always hover near the Gospels. Of course, we're doing Isaiah, right? But even Isaiah is the Gospel of the Old Testament because it just uh, is quoted so, so often, so many times in the New Testament. But when we get to the birth of Jesus and this incredible miracle uh, of the Incarnation and then get to Good Friday and His death, for us in our place and the resurrection, which proves all of it's true and gives us the hope of eternal life. I think to always be just kind of have those two um, events in the life of Christ as sort of these touchstones, you can preach, you know, a very long series through, you know, Nehemiah or Genesis or whatever, um, but to stop and to say, Let's get back to these main things. I think is really, really helpful for us, even as Baptists who don't follow the church calendar, but to stop and and talk about the incarnation, to talk about his death and resurrection at those key points in the year, I think is always useful for us as Bible only, you know, Bible believing Christians. Oops, I don't want to be Bible only, right? Sola scriptura, not solo. Scriptura. Anyway, that's a different discussion. But as as Bible Christians, I think it's good to stop and do that. Yeah. So so at what point, and, and maybe this is a wrinkle, you know, the, the last part of the question is how do we in love, how do we respond in love to people who hold these views? Is it wrong to hold that view, I guess, is a question that I have. And is there an aspect of this that falls into the Christian liberty category? 
Absolutely. I would not come at those Christians. That's why at the beginning I said, ask ask them why. You know, what what is the reason? Why do they want to be sad? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, I mean, if they, if again, if they come back with, well, because the Bible doesn't say, well, yeah, we, we totally acknowledge that. We totally agree. Here are the reasons we do it. You know, if you're going to have a conversation about it, I think that's a good place to start is just why. Um, but yeah, I think that we all as Christians draw lines about what, is and is not appropriate uh, in church or in our lives or in our families, and different Christians are going to draw those lines in different places, right? Um, and so we need to leave room for other Christians to do that. Um, at the same time, I think we've offered, I think, some pretty compelling reasons why we should do it or uh, why it's good to do it, to put it that way. So yeah, I think it's great to have those conversations. Yeah, absolutely. If, if there was someone in our church that said, uh, hey, our family, we don't celebrate Christmas for these biblical reasons. Uh, you know, like, all right, to me, that's a matter of conscience. Romans 14, uh, you know, that that doesn't mean that everyone else in the entire world has to stop celebrating Christmas. Uh, but those there should be some follow-up questions, exactly what you said. Well, when, when do you celebrate the arrival of the Christ? How do you celebrate the arrival of the Christ? Because that's certainly something that should be celebrated and celebrated yeah. significantly. And uh, so, so I think there are some good, some good questions to that, and and that's kind of one one reason we have this book available in the lobby. This Christmas Uncut, very accessible. It's kind of fun uh, to read about, you know, kind of shedding away, not throwing out the whole baby with the bathwater, uh, but making sure that we define the baby. <laughs> you, you know, so of all these things, they do point us to scripture, and here are things that we can see and look at, and those are the conversations that we need to have. Uh, otherwise, it gets so discombobulated with all the, the worldly attachments, it's tempting just to throw the whole thing away mm-hmm. when there's a lot there to be valued. And emphasize conversations, as you said, just so, so much available to converse, particularly with our children about yeah. this time of year. Yeah. Speaking of children... We had a question come in from a child again this week. This is love the it. second the second one we've had in the last few weeks. It's great. Uh, we love hearing from kids. Uh, I think uh, the probably the background from the question is because of bringing new student minister, hearing about calling mm-hmm. and uh, talking about being called to the ministry and all of that. Uh, the question from this child is, what is a calling? Uh, it's it was a band in the early two thousands. <laughs> yes, that had a very deep voiced. One hit wonder, wherever you will go, or something like that. Uh, no, that's great question, mm-hmm. great question, and I, I love this question uh, for many reasons. One, because it's from a kid. Two, uh, because it's about definitions, mm-hmm. and three, because it's about definitions to things that are very biblically important mm-hmm. and significant. So the way that we use the word calling, particularly in the church, is often associated with uh, what someone ends up doing with their life. Uh, it's a, a, a pull or a direction. You'll hear, you'll hear people say, I felt called to ministry, meaning I felt like God wanted me to, to serve in ministry. You may also hear, uh, you know, I feel like uh, God called me to to give this to this person, you know, and what what are we talking about then? Well, I feel like God wants me to do that. I think He wants to use me in that way. So, in in a in a way, it's a use that a word that we use to describe 
uh, an idea that that we think we are to be a tool for this specific use. Now, that can be dangerous because you can start throwing that out about everything. Yep. You know, I feel like God called you to give me 20 bucks. <laughs> you know, uh, we, we have to be careful with that. So, so how do we discern when a call, if a calling is really from God or not? Well, there are some great ways to do that. One, is this a biblical idea? You know, if, if you feel like, you know, I feel like God's calling me to, to, to hit my little sister. No, because God doesn't want you to hit your little sister. That's He might. <laughs> I have a little sister. <laughs> Sometimes she deserves it. <laughs> well, yeah, just kidding. No, 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 just kidding. No, no. I love no. my sister. We'll, we'll leave no room for that. Yeah, right. uh, you know, if, if you feel like something is in direct violation of the expressed word of God, that is not a calling. If... What you what, some way to maybe identify that is kind of two inward ways. One is this something that I like to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, is this something that I feel gifted at? Uh, you know, is it something that comes semi naturally to me? To me, a, a passion uh, might be a word that someone would use. And then from from outside that, when I participate in this, do I? S- do we see fruit from this? Do good things come from this? Are people helped uh, in their discipleship? And then outside, another outside one would be, do people affirm that in me? You know, we've all seen the American Idol type thing where people go and they, they sing, they're like, you can't sing. You should not be a professional <laughs> singer. They say, well, I feel called to. <laughs> if, if no one is affirming that or encouraging you in that direction, then uh, that may just be a want mm. or a desire, but not a calling. Mm. Uh, and in the, in the same way, you, you could be really good at something, but not enjoy it. So that may not be a calling. You, you know, there, there are different ways to, to look at that. That's really good. Yeah, I, I would echo everything you said there. And just to put an exclamation point right there at the end, we're all called to ministry on some level, because we are called out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are called into the family of God. Uh, there, there is a, a way of talking about calling, like for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, he says, um, for Jews demand signs, Greeks seek wisdom. This is a passage we were talking about last Wednesday. But we preach Christ crucified, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. That's speaking of an effectual calling that the Holy Spirit is uh, drawing us and wooing us and, and opening up God's word, revealing Christ to us in a powerful and saving way. Everyone who is called effectually by the Holy Spirit of God into God's people, into the church, is called, and is called to ministry, called to minister to one another in all the ways that the Bible describes. And there's, I can't remember, it's like 31 different one another Mm -hmm. passages uh, to pray for one another and serve one another and bear one another's burdens and on and on. We're all called to that. Uh, what we're talking about here is kind of a call to specific like pastoral ministry or even deacon ministry. And that has to come, uh, like you said, first of all, from within. Is it something you desire? Paul says anyone who desires the task or, or the work of an overseer 
uh, pastor, desires a noble task, right? So there's this internal uh, desire to see uh, God's word go forth through through the preaching of the gospel or through the shepherding of the church. Um, this this happened definitely in my life. I, I I saw some really good preachers, and then I saw some other preachers that were really bad. <laughs> and I, I saw how one really led to spiritual uh, health and spiritual fruit, and the other caused confusion and division and hurt. And I thought, I really don't like that. I think there needs to be more of this in the world. So I, I just began to kind of think about that. There's an internal desire, but then it's got to be affirmed by the church and encouraged by the church. As you said, if somebody just showed up and said, hey, uh, I'm a Christian. I've never been to church before, but I think I want to be a pastor here. You know, The first thing is, well, that's weird that you've never been to church, right? But also start doing things that pastors do. Right. Maybe you could teach a Sunday school class, or maybe you could go with the pastors to visit someone in the hospital, or you know, maybe there's other things uh, you could kind of do just to kind of sh- show, is this something that you're even gifted at? And the church would then sort of affirm that and say, yeah, we believe God is calling this man, right, to pastoral ministry, for example. Uh, when you when you look at the book of Acts, it's always the church that is sending people out. It's always the church that is receiving back these people who have gone out and kind of affirming them and listening to their reports, right? Even sort of helping adjudicate, well, maybe these people should go here and these people should go here. It's not just an individual thing, like, I just feel like I should do this. It's a church activity, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, I think, a general uh, way to talk about calling, right? Yeah, and, and some of the confusion can kind of come in because we use the word in a variety of ways. Mm-hmm. As, as you said, it, we're kind of speaking to it in a, in, in a vocational or you know something that I do for a job or an activity that, that, I, that I go to. However, you wouldn't want to apply those same principles that I out- outlined to another way that we use the word calling in that uh, we are called to love one another. You know, yep. well, what if I don't feel like loving the person? I don't, it, that's not coming easy, easily right. to me. Right, right. I must not be called to that. Well, no, you are called to, you are called to that because we are universally, all of us, called to that. And so I, I, I think that this question is helpful because it brings definition to what we mean by the mm-hmm. word calling, but also the word calling means there is someone, that call is coming from someone or something. We are responding to something. It's not our initiative, not something that we are doing. We are responding to something. So it's important uh, that we ask, what are we responding to? And so that lets us know, one, that we have a God that speaks, Mm -hmm. but two, there are things that that God, because he knows better than us, because he loves us, because he cares uh, for this world, he's going to have us do things that go against what we want to do because we're selfish, sinful human beings. Mm -hmm. So sometimes obedience to that call is not going to be enjoyable. Uh, However, there are other things when our affections and, and all of all those things are in alignment with what God wants, mm-hmm. that we do see that those align with what we want to do. So just because we don't want to do something doesn't mean that that's a calling or vice versa. It's, it's similar to the, the verse says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know, and that basically align yourself with the calling of God and you will love what God has called you to do, Amen. whatever that, whatever that looks like. So, 
maybe we've outlined four ways <laughs> that the Bible talks yeah. about it. There's the gospel call, mm-hmm. right? God calls people to repent of sin and trust Christ. Yeah. There's the like, come to life. That's right. Arise. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, there's the effectual call where the Holy Spirit, like it says, I think in First Peter, calls us out of darkness into light. That is something that, you know, it's it's the Lazarus come forth sort of call uh, to, to, to new spiritual life that only the Holy Spirit can really do. You know, we, we preach the gospel, but ultimately it's God who saves. That's the effectual calling of God. There's a call to ministry, all those one another's, right? We are called to serve and called to love and called to be a part of the body of Christ uh, in, in all kinds of ways. Then there's this call to vocational ministry, which is how we often talk about what's the call to ministry. It's, it's a vocational ministry. I'm, I'm called to be a pastor or be a worship leader or be a missionary. Mm. Is that right? Four different ways? Yeah. Yeah. I think that nails it. It took us a while, but we got to that. Yeah. That's okay. You're good. <laughs> Sweet. Cool. Well, uh, thanks again uh, to this kid for sending in stuff. We'd love to hear more. Uh, and if you are a kid and you're listening to this, kudos. Uh, that's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah. Parents, if your kids have questions that you don't know the answers to, uh, or at least you want to get our perspective on, we'd love to answer those here as well. And so if you'd like to text those questions in, the number is 918-280-9628. Uh, we will maybe put a link to some of our favorite Christmas albums or Spotify playlists in the show notes. We want to thank you for listening to the Arrow Heights podcast and talk to you next time.